we are ready to get the weekend going with a three-hour show called The Y'all Show. And for the next three hours, we've got the South Front and Center. I am your host, John Rawl, and we encourage you to be part of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Easy to do that. It is 803-816-1170. That is the number you can text at your leisure. You can also call that number if you'd rather speak to us here at the Y'all Show covering everything Southern. Hope your week has gone great. We're winding the week down here on the Y'all Show. We've got a tropical storm, tropical depression. It kind of fluctuates right now. I'll give you the latest. I know if you're in the Keys of Florida or you've got family or you're heading there or planning to head to the Florida Keys, might want to pay close attention to the weather forecast. We'll give you the update on that in just a second. What's going on with Fred? Also here on the Y'all Show in this first hour, we will have our latest stop on our tour across the southeast as we're doing a voyage to college towns and spotlighting these great colleges across the southeast. This week alone, we started out on Rocky Top as the Tennessee Vols were our spotlight school on Monday. We took you from Rocky Top down to South Beach on Tuesday. It was all about the Miami Hurricanes. Wednesday, we were back into the Volunteer State, or should I say the Commodore State. It was all about the Vanderbilt Commodores on Wednesday. Thursday show, if you tuned in, it was Fear the Turtle. We talked about the Big Ten's Maryland Terrapins on our tour across the southeast. And we're winding it down today in what ESPN calls America's number one college town. We're going to be in Oxford, and today it's all about the Mississippi Land Sharks. I've got the schedule broken down. They start their season in Atlanta this year against the Louisville Cardinals. We'll discuss what's going on with Lane's 100% vaccinated program, the Lane train entering year two for the University of Mississippi. We'll discuss all that. I'll tell you some of the great football history of what was Ole Miss and now the University of Mississippi Land Sharks and what a proud history it has been. I've been a part of some of that history through the years, and I'll share some of my thoughts as we talk about the Mississippi Land Sharks today on our tour across the southeast. Hour three of today's Y'all Show, we will discuss the great, not, the great numbers coming out of Oxford in terms of the University of Mississippi, the enrollment, all the changes that's happened there on the Oxford campus. But we will also discuss some of the famous alumni of Ole Miss. And some of these alumni will surprise you. And one website has, as an alumnus, someone who didn't graduate from there. But, yeah, she's she did attend. Not very long, but she's considered an alumnus. And I'll tell you who that is and her connection to television. All that will be part of our fun talking about that and then we'll also throw in the great tradition of Mississippi. And boy, they've got some good ones. Starting off with the Grove, the Hottie Toddy. I might even have to break out a little Hottie Toddy to all of you today. I know it by heart and I'll share it with you without a cheat sheet. We'll do that and let's see, we'll talk about just all the southern connections that. Ole Miss has had and enjoyed through the years and how, frankly, just like many things in today's woke world, these 
people through the last 25, 20, 25, 30 years have gone in and stripped away much of the Southern tradition, which doesn't make me very happy, and I'll discuss that. We actually have a special bonus when we talk about Ole Miss tradition. Hour two today, where we have our free for y'all and get you in the spirit for the weekend, this is where I go into the music archives and usually pull out a song you're probably usually familiar with. That's normally my goal. Today, since we're talking about Ole Miss, I have found some songs I haven't heard in over a decade that I just happen to have and I'm going to play that have to do, they kind of have to do with Ole Miss, but frankly, they're just good songs. A old friend of mine named Micah Ginn, who currently works within the athletic department at the University of Mississippi, he and I used to run in the same circles and Micah is and I don't know if he's still but he at one time he was uber talented (laughs) working at a university I'm not so sure what his talent level from an entertainment standpoint is these days but before he got employed at the university he was part of a band called the Lexington Brothers and he came up with this concept to do kind of a throwback album from the 1970s and sometimes 60s, where a lot of colleges across the southeast had these kind of renegade songs. There was a song called The Ballad of Archie Who that came out back in the late 60s that some of you might be familiar with that had to do with Ole Miss. But if you really go back and look at a lot of your major schools, throughout time there's been some kind of novelty song associated with a program, sometimes a complete album of novelty songs with the college football program. And just 15 years ago, the Lexington Brothers kind of had a throwback album, and they had these songs. And so to get you ready for college football season, to get you ready for Ole Miss today, in hour two, after we have our traditional salute to the weekend with David Lee Murphy's party crowd, we're going to hear from the Lexington Brothers two different songs. One is all about Ole Miss. It's called I'm for the Red and Blue catchy song fun song if you're a college football fan you'll enjoy that because he throws out a bunch of great names that have played for the red and blue but secondly his other song that we'll play in our friday free for y'all it's about the grove which is the best tailgating spot in all of college football but it's really about just tailgating period and so that's why i'm throwing in an additional song here on today's y'all show the grove song from the lexington brothers because if you're a fan of tailgating you're a fan of football or you're just a fan of going out to a sporting event no matter if it's college football nfl college basketball wherever you tailgate this song is about that last tailgate of the year and the bittersweet feeling of packing up that last time and it's very it's very well done and very creative and i think you're going to like it even if you're not a, a rebel land shark black bear fan you're going to enjoy hearing the grove song when we play it in hour number two. Also in today's Y'all Show, besides talking about the SEC's Rebel Landshark Black Bears, we're going to tell you later this hour, we're going to let you hear from Jerry, our Takapola storyteller, short. And we're going to rewind back to Monday when Jerry was on, and we had a discussion about all of the people that are currently in jail for what happened back on January 6th. Some of these people have been in jail six to seven months Some of them really haven't been formally charged, as far as I know, or some of the charges have been quite alarming. Quite alarming that they've been charged with crimes that don't justify them being in the jail for seven months. 
and without proper representation from an attorney, in my opinion. And so we talked about that on Monday. And then I have an update. Actually, I found a video just last night from a congressional candidate that ended up being outside of that same Washington, D.C. jail that Marjorie Taylor Greene, Louis Gohmert, and Matt Gates all stopped by the other day. And this congressional candidate, who's actually a former NASCAR driver on the minor league circuit of NASCAR and a former Navy veteran, his name is Jared Sessler. He is from the state of Washington. But he's got a YouTube video. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it later this hour. But he actually just kind of stumbled upon a guy named Carl Dresch who was being released the moment he was there. And he did an on-camera interview with this guy, Carl Dresch, who is a Michigan native that is walking away from that jail for the first time. And I'll tell you what his the, the charge against him that he's been in jail for almost seven months for. You're not going to believe it. This is un-American. All that's coming up in our ICYMI in case y'all missed it. That's ahead later this hour. Melissa Rhodes has a southern accent on southern sports before this first hour is up. Hour two today, Craig Faulkner getting you ready for the weekend. Some of you are going to have a soggy weekend, so I don't know how much fishing you got. You might have to stay inside and watch a little TV. Well, guess what? Craig Faulkner today in hour number two He's going to have his fishing forecast for the weekend. And you know what his forecast is likely going to be? Sitting inside watching some of these outdoor shows on TV. That's ahead hour two. Plus, we'll take a look at the brand new movies hitting theaters this weekend, including the Aretha Franklin-themed Respect that Jennifer Hudson stars in. That is on the big screen this weekend. That's coming your way, hour two. Hour three today. We'll wind it up with some sports news coming from throughout the world of Southern sports and a look at some of the great headlines to wrap up the week. All that right here on Talk with a Southern Accent. Again, powered by y'all.com. It is the South's official homepage. Go there and go to our Facebook page for y'all. That is y'all.com on Facebook. And please follow us on Facebook so that you get all of our updates and all of our great stories and videos and fun that we put up. It's free of charge. It is the homepage of the South, y'all.com. Looking at the news headlines to start this first hour of the Y'all Show, first up, Fred, that is the name of this tropical storm or tropical depression, experts saying it is likely to regain as a tropical storm as it nears Florida as it's currently moving along Cuba's northern coast, and as it pulls away from the island today ahead of the projected trek toward the Florida Keys on Saturday in southwest Florida on Sunday, forecasters watching the disturbance that they said would likely become a problem for Floridians. And there's another disturbance in the Caribbean, something that might form and become what's called Grace, the seventh named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season. According to the Miami-based National Hurricane Center, Fred had maximum sustained winds earlier today of 35 miles per hour and was dropping heavy rains over parts of Cuba, and there was a threat of rain and flooding in that nation. The experts looking at the projected path, again, taking more of a Gulf Coast trek. We have a report coming in from the weather.com website national i'm sorry the weather channel produces this 
And let's go in and hear this just-released video talking about how Fred is expected to strengthen in the days ahead as it draws closer to Florida, which, again, early on Saturday is when I believe the Keys are most likely going to start feeling the effects of this latest tropical depression slash potential tropical storm hitting Florida this weekend. Here is this report from weather.com. Here's the latest on Tropical Depression Fred as of 11 a.m. from the National Hurricane Center. They've actually added some tropical storm watches for parts of Cuba. The storm itself doesn't look all that impressive right now, but it is going to do some strengthening over the next 24 hours. That's why we have the tropical storm warnings in effect for the Florida Keys. Now, the center of the storm highly likely to stay off the coast. That's going to keep the strongest wind off the coast, and this peaks at about a 45 or 50 mile per hour storm. Uh, but the heaviest rain is on the east side of where the center of that storm is. So that puts parts of Florida potentially in areas that are going to see some really, really heavy rain. And, you know, the problem is that parts of Florida have already seen some pretty heavy rain over the last little while. So flooding and rain is going to be the number one concern with this storm system. All right. Again, that information coming in from weather.com and kind of looking at the projection from that website of where this thing is likely to hit in the next two to three days. It looks like if you could draw a line to Apalachicola from Cuba, that is the projected path. Apalachicola slash to the northwest of there would be Panama City. It it looks like it's aiming more for the panhandle of Florida as opposed to coming in on the, what do they call that area, the Forgotten Coast perhaps, or Secret Coast I believe is what it's called actually. Two to three inches and some of the projections that I'm seeing at least from weather.com. There will be heavy rain continuing throughout the weekend in the portions that this thing is going to affect. So the best advice, again, depending on when you're listening to us, and especially if you're a Floridian, please make sure you stay on top of your local weather forecast. If you have a chance to have a radio on standby, that's always a helpful thing to have as tropical depression and probably, I'll go ahead in my own forecasting, sort of mandate here go ahead and call it a likely tropical storm sometime over the weekend just be extra careful and certainly if you're a floridian you should be very well aware of how these things can come and affect your state and you should have a plan in place of getting out of florida if it's a big enough wind damage expected ari sarsolari was the meteorologist from the weather.com website weather channel who has helped with this previous report of where we stand with Tropical Storm Fred. We'll take a break here on y'all. We're going to have more headlines as we walk through the show today, so please be sure to stay tuned for all of that. When we come back, though, as we have told you and given you plenty of fair warning, today it's about the red and blue of Oxford, Mississippi, as we're on a tour of the South College teams getting you ready for the start of the 2021 season. And today, in this first hour, we'll discuss what's going on with Lane Kiffin's program. We'll tell you about the schedule, and we'll also tell you about some of the great football teams of Rebel Past and what to expect here in 2021. It's all Ole Miss Mississippi when we come back.
The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. And we are back on the Y'all Show, direct from the Dixie Cafe. And we're here to tell you about college football's latest stop on our 44-city tour And today on our tour, we're in Oxford for tour stop number 29, 29 of 44, 15 more places to go, right? Yeah, we are. And right here from the Dixie Cafe, yours truly, John Rawl, is going to tell you about our latest tour stop in Oxford to talk about the University of Mississippi. And I can't sit here from the Dixie Cafe and not play the right song when you start talking about them Ole Miss Rebel University of Mississippi Black Bear Land Sharks. It's the pride of the South. Get ready. Hotty toddy, are you ready? What a great song from the pride of the South. The University of Mississippi, a founding member of the Southeastern Conference. Although they haven't won an SEC title since the 1960s, this program has put out a whole bunch of great football players through the years, and I'm going to tell you about some of them as we walk through this very special spotlight of Mississippi. And we're going to talk about this 2021 season coming up for Lane Kiffin specifically and a lot of expectations in Oxford. Remember last year, they went off to a bowl game and they defeated, I would say, upset big time the Indiana Hoosiers in the Outback Bowl. They got Matt Corral back at behind center at quarterback. There's a lot of high, high hopes for Mississippi entering the 2021 season. And they get a lot of exposure to launch this new season coming up. They have that Monday night football game. The only college football game on Monday night that I'm aware of the entire year. On Monday, September 6th, that's also known as Labor Day, from Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's the Mississippi Landsharks and the Louisville Cardinals in that Chick-fil-A kickoff weekend game. And that'll be on ESPN. It'll be the only live football game being played Labor Day night. And then from there going forward on Monday night football, it's going to be NFL. So enjoy it. But a great opportunity for the entire country to have their eyes on Lane Kiffin's program on September 6th. The Sharks get back to the Shark Tank September 11th at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Oh, the Seabass Govs come in from Clarksville. It's Austin P. 
and that's the home opener at VHS on September 11th. One of the most played teams in the history of the University of Mississippi of who they faced off with. I think it's the third most played opponent in Mississippi history. Tulane is back on the schedule, and the Greenies will be at VHS on September 18th. The Lane train will pack up and head over to Tuscaloosa on October 2nd. The SEC opener for the Sharks will be at the Alabama Crimson Tide. On October 9th, homecoming on the Oxford campus, the Woo Pig Sueys of Arkansas head back to Mississippi. And if you saw last year's game with Corral throwing dozens of interceptions, it seemed, payback might be coming for the Hoggies on October 9th. And then it's a very rare thing for Mississippi to pack up and head to Knoxville, but that's exactly what they'll do on October 16th. It'll be Mississippi and the Tennessee Vols from Neyland Stadium. On October 23rd, it's going to be officially be Eli Manning Day when Mississippi hosts the LSU Tigers. That ought to be a big day. You reckon they're going to officially retire his number? Actually, they are. It was just announced, I think just last year or maybe earlier this year, that number 10 would be retired, which is a little weird because they've been using it all these years. In fact, I think John Rice Plumley, the very talented guy that's been a quarterback and now just got officially moved over to wide receiver this week. He's been wearing 10, I think. I think I'm right on that. Of course, he plays baseball, so maybe he wears 10 baseball. But Eli Manning Day, October 23rd, when former Mississippi coach Ed Orgeron brings his Bayou Bengals to Lafayette County. The Sharks will be at Jordan-Hare Stadium October 30th for a game against the Auburn Tigers. What an intriguing matchup we have on November 6th. When former Lambeth Eagles head coach turned Arkansas State coach turned Mississippi coach turned Liberty coach now, Hugh Freeze brings his flames to Oxford for a game against his old employer, Mississippi. I wonder if he's going to bring his burner phone for the trip to Oxford. On November 13th, Texas A&M comes into Oxford. That ought to be a fun matchup when the Aggies are back. The Sharks will also have the third straight home game on November 20th when their longtime cross-divisional foe, the Vanderbilt Commodores, are the opponent on November 20th. And then it all wraps up on Thanksgiving night, the regular season, when you have the Egg Bowl. Mississippi State is the opponent. This game will be at Stark Vegas on Thursday, Thanksgiving night in that primetime lineup. So right there, the... Sharks begin their season in primetime on ESPN on that Monday night, and then they wrap up the regular season in primetime and probably the only college football game being played on Turkey Day night against their old foe, Mississippi State, that game in Davis-Wade Stadium in Starkville. So that is the schedule and how it sets up for Mississippi here in 2021. What about the experts? What are they saying about what Lane Kiffin's got lined up here for year number two, where last year he ended up having a 5-5 five and five season, would have had a losing season if they hadn't have been invited to a bowl game, like most colleges were able to have happen due to coronavirus. So they went 4-5 and five in SEC play last year. They got a chance to go to the Outback Bowl, and they faced off against a very good Indiana Hoosier team. Remember, Indiana 
might have only lost two games prior to their bowl game. And so the Hoosiers and the Sharks were in Tampa, and it was Matt Corral and company getting a big win to wrap up the 2020 season and give a lot of optimism heading into 2021. And so a lot of people watching this California kid, number two, behind center for Mississippi entering this season. And we have – he's listed as the top, according to the experts, when they were gathered at the SEC media days, they put Matt Corral as the SEC's first-team quarterback. This guy's good, and I haven't seen it. I go to Oxford pretty regularly. I haven't spotted my first Matt Corral for Heisman sticker. I still see a few Deuce for Heisman, as in Deuce McAllister circa 2000. I never even saw Eli for Heisman trophy, uh, for Heisman stickers in my time in chicken-on-a-stick country. But Matt Corral is doing so well that the aforementioned John Rice Plumley, who was at one time starting quarterback, the pretty talented Hattiesburg kid, he's now been moved purely to be a wide receiver. I think you'll likely get some good snaps at quarterback, maybe in some of the not-so-glorious games, <coughs> Austin P. But now the Sharks having to reload after losing great receivers like Elijah Moore and also had a tight end that has moved on. And so they have the potential in a very crowded SEC West. I won't say to give Alabama a run for the money for the division crown, but they certainly could give Texas A&M fits. And you could see this year Lane Kiffin's ball club with great players like Corral and a running back in Jerry and Ely. you got a good center that's going to be snapping that ball to Corral. Ben Brown, who's a senior. How about a great defensive player, A.J. Finley? That's been the weakness. That's actually been something a lot of people have poked the Sharks in the gill for. As great as their offense has been and put up video game numbers, they had a horrible defense. You could say porous defense. And is that going to change entering this year? Did Coach Kiffin go back to his daddy, the great mastermind of NFL, Monty Kiffin, and his defenses with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and more? Did he learn a few tricks on how to stop an offense? If that were to happen and the Sharks of 2021 go out and play as a team and as a unit, I think it's very feasible that this team should win 10 games this year. That would count probably a loss to Alabama for sure, and then somewhere losing a game to a team they were at least evenly matched up against, let's say a Mississippi State or or perhaps even an Auburn or LSU. But remember, LSU's in Oxford. It's Eli Manning Day. They can't lose that game on October 23rd. They can't lose to Arkansas or Tennessee or can they? They might even lose to the Govs. <laughs> and that first home opener, the first game at Vault Hemingway Stadium. Yeah, if you are a fan of the red and blue, you got a lot of excitement. And they need excitement. They have been a very down program. I know. I've been really upset with them for years. I'm still not on good speaking terms, if you will. But at least from if you like winning, they got a great chance this year. And I think they will be going easily to a bowl, and they will be 
in the contention come October, November for perhaps even a 10-win season. And that's part of the story behind the University of Mississippi and its football program. This is a program with a football team that goes all the way back to 1893. And it has been one of the best, but maybe not well-publicized, football success stories in the Southeastern Conference. I know if you go and look at recent history books, you won't see an SEC title for this program. In fact, they haven't won an SEC title since 1963. But, boy, they were really good back in the 50s and 60s. Johnny Vault took them to the Delta Bowl starting in his first year as a coach. Beat his alma mater, by the way, in Memphis, TCU. And along the way during his tenure, the University of Mississippi claims three national titles, 1959, 1960, 1962. That 62 team, the only time a program in Oxford has ever gone and not either lost or tied a game in the entire season. They were perfect. That was also the year of the famous James Meredith riot on the campus, and that was quite a news story throughout the world, frankly, in 1962. And, of course, being in the Magnolia State and its racial turmoil through history, that's part of the story behind this program, this nickname, this campus. It's why a lot of people, like me, have been drawn there. I love the Ole Miss history, the Ole Miss story. I am proud to have gone to that school for my master's degree. I love my time there. I have family in Oxford. It's a special place. But just like the rest of the South, and I'm going to talk more about this in hour three, and I don't need to get carried away with it here in hour one, but it's... It's had its challenges. It's had its problems. For goodness sakes, this is a school with a nickname of Ole Miss. Go look where the real history of that word comes from. This is a school whose athletic nickname is the Rebels. I like that name. A lot of people don't like it. I'm surprised in 2021 they still have the name. I'm glad they got the name. I don't think it's going to be there forever. That's just, I mean, those are in your face, out front. Your very name is up for discussion. Even your nickname up for discussion. It's hard to combat that. But through the years, despite being one of the smaller schools in the conference and having people constantly critique the tradition, the history of the school and the athletic programs, this has been a fairly successful college football team. Even in modern times. Tommy Turberville comes in after Billy Brewer, one of my friends, guy I worked with for many years. Billy Dog Brewer, coached there in the 80s and early 90s. Got fired. Shouldn't have been, in my opinion. Tuberville comes in, helps lead them to a bowl game, Motor City Bowl. Great win. And then from there, Tuberville leaves them. Goes to Auburn in the middle of the night. Said he would never leave Oxford except in a pine box. And now the former senator, you can call Alabama's junior senator, the pine box senator, if you want to. David Cutcliffe comes in. And I think he did a better than average job. But in 2003, I was right there. I know. They, they, sh- they should have won an SEC championship. They should have played in the SEC championship, for goodness sake. 
they should have not lost to two teams that they lost to early in the season. They lost to Memphis, and they lost to Texas A&M. Both games, they had double-digit leads in the fourth quarter, and they had Eli Manning as a quarterback. That's part of the reason Cutcliffe was shown the door. Then they had Orgeron come in, and that was a complete disaster, absolute disaster. He should have never been hired, but it wasn't Orgeron's fault. It was the chancellor, Robert Kayat, and it was the athletic director, Pete Boone, that brought him in. Then Houston Nutt comes in, and boy, that was exciting. That was the birth of the land shark with Tony Fine. That was the great Ethan, uh, not Ethan, that was the great Jevin Sneed. I was thinking of Ethan Flat from 2004. Jevin Sneed transferred in from Texas and in the best run in modern times if you're a Ole Miss Rebel that best run was that 2008 season when on a Friday night Barack Obama and John McCain had a debate the first presidential debate of the 2008 campaign and that was on the campus at the University of Mississippi and that was such a disaster primarily because of McCain trying to get out of doing it at the last second. That was such a black eye in Oxford that that was such a disaster when it should have been such a great publicity thing. The very next day, this football team, which had already lost a couple of games, goes down to the swamp and they defeat Tim Tebow. And what a tremendous win in 2008. And they didn't lose another game the rest of the year. And they went on to go to the Cotton Bowl and defeat a very good one-loss Texas Tech team. That was also that Florida game where Tim Tebow cried and said he would never let the team down again. And they went on and won a national championship. This is after he'd already won a Heisman. So that was a big win for the great players like Jevin Sneed and others that were playing back in that time period, 2008. But it ended up being a very consequential game for UF, as they went on to win a second national championship with Urban Meyer. But even as good as it was with Houston Nutt, he backs up 2008 with a fairly successful 2009 season. They went to number four in the polls, and then they got beat on a Thursday night at Williams-Brice Stadium against South Carolina, and then just just kind of a ho-hum rest of the year, including losing to Mississippi State. But they got a chance to go back to the Cotton Bowl that year, the first time it was held at Jerry World in Arlington. And they defeated Oklahoma State to wrap up another double-digit win season for Houston Nutt. I think it was a double-digit season, I think. (laughs) That's been, gosh, 12 years now. Good Lord. Then Nutt absolutely falls on his face and goes 4-8 one year and and 2-10 the next. So he gets shown the door. Hugh Freeze comes in. Took him a little while. But he ends up having a fantastic Sugar Bowl. 2016 Sugar Bowl, victory over Oklahoma State, 48-20. And then disaster off the field as he is let go in 2017, just before the start of the season. So a lot of bad publicity coming to the Oxford campus. A name from the great history of Ole Miss football, the Luke family, Matt Luke, who played back in the late 90s, he gets hired to be the head coach, and he does a ho-hum job. But in the end, he gets fired. And in comes this loudmouth guy, although he's really kind of a boring guy to listen to if you ever listen to Lane Kiffin. 
he comes in, and I know the story still be being written on Lane Kiffin as a head coach at the University of Mississippi, but he's definitely got the program a lot of attention, and he's got them going toward lots of victories. He's got them also at 100% vaccination, which is rather impressive that any program has reached that level. And now, under the guidance of Lane Monty Kiffin, born in Lincoln, Nebraska in 1975, this former Fresno State quarterback who's been the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, the Tennessee Vols, for just that one season in 2009, went on to USC for a few years, ended up getting fired, went to Tuscaloosa as an assistant under Saban, then got the chance to be the Owls head coach at FAU, then the chance to be back in the SEC with the University of Mississippi. If nothing else, he's getting a lot of publicity for the program, and if you're a Shark fan, you're ready to get back to that grove and and party like it's 2003, Eli's final year, suiting up in the red and blue. And perhaps if they can end up doing that, it'll be just like 19, not not 2003. It could be like 1962 all over again. It could be like all those, again, so many great players. I wish I had enough time to tell you because in its day, Ole Miss despite not being Alabama and not being Tennessee historically with the success of football. What a true bastion of great football talent. In fact, I'm going to probably skip over some of the players from more recent times, but back in 92 when Billy Brewer was still coaching there, they had the team of the century. And I'm going to list off some of the names that ought to be somewhat familiar to any college football fan, okay? Archie Manning on that team of the century, the Drew Mississippi kid who played in the late 60s. He's on there. How about a guy that ought to be in the NFL Hall of Fame? There's no excuse for Chunkin' Charlie Connolly, New York Giants great, to not be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's not. He ought to be. A guy I got a chance to meet, a guy that played for the Chicago Bears back in the early 1950s, K.O. Dotley, longtime resident of Vicksburg. One of the great players in Ole Miss history. Another guy that's an Arkansas native, Charlie Flowers. How about the Pools, Barney Pool? Go look up the Pool family at Ole Miss, and you'll see incredible, incredible success. How about Atwood, Tennessee's own Gene Hickerson, Pro Football Hall of Famer, longtime offensive lineman for the Cleveland Browns. He played for the Red and Blue. You have Bruiser Kennard. Bruiser Kennard, one of the interesting things about him in history, it was Kennard playing in an NFL game in 1941, actually December 7th, 1941. If you ever hear the archival recording of the announcement of the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, remember that was a Sunday, and there was a game being played, and the last word you hear before the announcer announces the attack on Pearl Harbor was Bruiser Kennard. And in 1941, Bruiser Kennard was playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers slash Tigers of the National Football League. I don't know who they were playing that day, but sure enough, this great football player was part of that tradition at the University of Mississippi. The first black player 
in the history of the school. Got a guy that I have had a chance to meet before. Sadly, he passed away in recent years. Gentle Ben Williams from Yazoo City. One of the best players in the history of the game. He went on to have a long career with the Buffalo Bills, by the way. Another name worth mentioning is uh, Freddie Joe Nunn, familiar name from the 80s, played there. My buddy Billy Dog Brewer made it on that all-century team. And so many more. One of the other names that made it on that was a guy who played football at Ole Miss, went on to play for the Washington Redskins, and then ended up going to law school and ultimately became chancellor of his alma mater. He's still with us. Robert Kayat, the 15th chancellor of the University of Mississippi, one of the best football players in the history of the school. And, actually, this is what I was looking for. I'm looking for the list of Ole Miss players. Again, a program that hasn't had an SEC title since 1962. Listen to this incredible list of their nine players and two coaches who are in the College Football Hall of Fame. And this is one of the leading programs in all of college football with this amount of players. I just saw where the other day the University of Memphis, kind of a rival of this school, just had its first inductee into the College Football Hall of Fame. And Ole Miss with nine players and two coaches in the College Football Hall of Fame. And those players and coaches include Bruiser Kennard, Charlie Connerly, Barney Poole, Coach Johnny Vault, Doug Kenna, Pie Van, a coach there, Archie Manning, a great halfback, Parker Hall, Jake Gibbs, incredible quarterback who actually turned down football when he got out of school to go be a New York Yankee. The first million-dollar contract signed for a rookie when he signed with the Yankees in the early 1960s. Also, Charlie Flowers is in the College Football Hall of Fame. And then two players from recent decades, Pontotoc, Mississippi's own Wesley Walls, who had a great career, including for the Carolina Panthers of the NFL. And the most recent inductee into the College Football Hall of Fame It's a guy with another connection to West Tennessee from Brewston, Tennessee. Number 52, Patrick Willis, inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. That's pretty impressive. So I guess Lane Kiffin, if you're listening, if you've got a program with that many people in the Hall of Fame and that much success, maybe you better step up your game in 2021 if you want to get Ole Miss slash the University of Mississippi slash the Land Sharks back to prominence in athletics we will have more on the tradition and some of the famous alumni of the university of mississippi in hour three and a special added value bonus hour two in just a few minutes actually i've got a couple of really good songs courtesy of the lexington brothers that have to do with old miss that i'll be playing for all you rebel fans and all you fans of college football that's Coming up again, hour two, as a little special extra treat. Hotty toddy. When the Y'all Show comes right back, we will be continuing on with this end of the week edition. We'll have our ICYMI, a visit with Jerry Short from Monday, where he talks about the January 6th riders still in jail. That's ahead. Take it away, Pride of the South.
closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. We're back on talk with a southern accent. Wrapping up your week, I am the general of all things Southern. I am John Rawl, and we, in this segment each week, take a moment to rewind and give you a chance to maybe hear, if you missed it, a portion of our show from throughout the week. And we had on Monday, our Takapola storyteller was on. His name is Jerry Short, and it is always so much fun when he drops by the Y'all Show and talks usually about things from way, way back but this week, we kind of discussed a lot of current headlines going on because he and I both saw the same thing on television. Recently, Congressman Marjorie Green, Louis Gohmert, and Matt Gates, and one other congressman, I believe from Arizona, stopped by the prison in Washington, D.C. that dozens of people are being held in jail for what happened back on January 6th. And some of these people are being held and not necessarily getting a chance to have due process. And it's really disturbing. In fact, I've got an update after you hear from Jerry Short on one of those prisoners that has just been released, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it. These people, if they were guilty of entering the Capitol back on January 6th, as I've said before, there's no doubt they should be punished in some way, shape, or form. But for them to be sitting in jail, in some cases, most of an entire day without the liberty that you'd expect to have, and in some cases these people have not been charged with the kind of crime that would justify being in jail for all these months, it's un-American in my opinion. And Jerry Short and I talked about that when he was on earlier this week on Monday. Here again is I-C-Y-M-I. In case y'all missed it, where Jerry Short and yours truly discussed all of these people rotting in jail, it looks like, and in some cases, very un-American rotting in jail because they're not being given due process and habeas corpus, it appears, to be suspended. I'm not a lawyer, and I don't play one on the radio, but we all have our own opinions, but these people deserve a fair shot. I don't think they're getting it, frankly. And Jerry Short and I talked about that. Here is a portion of our Monday conversation. Saw a clip on uh, Newsmax. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. I've got where I just kind of. Do you think? Do you think the three major networks or four major networks covered that? I doubt that uh, ABC, NBC, or CBS had a word, or MSNBC. I doubt. I doubt any of those four had a word said, or CNN even. And uh, but you know it's it's become that way, and uh, they have taken that media part of what we were used to uh, kind of out of our hands, and uh, so they're not going to report the things that uh, we're looking for them to report anymore. You've got to dig elsewhere or dig it up yourself to find out actually what's happened, yeah. and a lot of stuff just passes over over our heads because. If we stay on those networks, we don't. We don't ever have a clue. We'll never have a clue. Well, again, these congressmen all went to this prison right around the old RFK Stadium is where it was there in the district to check on these prisoners to see if they're having the basic things you would have as a prisoner provided because there's a lot of stuff being out there about some of these people being beat up, 
being denied some of the basic things that you would have as a prisoner. And that's why they, they all said they had sent letters and they had not received any kind of correspondence back. So they kind of went right there with cameras rolling, and I watched it. And as Marjorie Green said, they did the old bait and switch. I don't know if you saw that video, but I did hear her say the, that, yes. the, the, the supervisor had gone outside, and so somebody where they were in the lobby of this prison came out and said, whoa, the person you need to talk to is the supervisor. And, oh, yeah, by the way, she's out there in, in the plaza outside. So all these people went out there to talk to the supervisor, and as soon as they all walked out the door, they ended up locking the door to the prison so they couldn't even come back into the lobby. Well, I mean, they're in jail for, you know, if you saw some of it, some of them may be guilty of doing a little bit extreme. And they should serve time. But, my God, it's been seven months in some cases. That's that's where I'm going. I mean, you know, know, if they've been very extreme on what the consequences are going to be to them consequences have already gone way beyond the limit and i mean you know anybody else commit a crime in any major city or anywhere else in the united states or on the border they're out the next day yes. not sooner that they're and out I, the next day with the with the prosecution and defense both having plenty of time to prepare a case these people are just being locked up i think it's I, time i think the two presidents need to say something i think president trump needs to step up even more What's he got okay. to lose? These people were, in most cases, people that were supporting him. I know it early on, after all this went down, it looked really bad for him that the, that you had this riot or storm in the Capitol. Pick your words here. But it's, yeah. it's time for President Trump to maybe himself go try to get these people out of prison. It's time for Joe Biden to do something. Well, I mean, you're not going to get anything out of him or Kamala or either one of them. Uh, they're not going to say a word. Uh, Why? Because they're on the other side of that uh, bench, and they're staying over there, and this is right up their alley, and this is all falling in their scheme of things, I think. I think they like this. I think they know they can keep it under control. How many How many times have you heard the name of the officer that killed the lady in the White House? None. It's never That's been kept. reported. I mean, have you seen the, have you seen the name, period? Is any other crime ever committed that they don't post the name? No. You can't find the And this, name? this officer could have been perfectly in their right to, to have killed that person. We'll never know, but we certainly, I mean, it's all dirty tactics here. How could you not release that name? Yeah, they, yeah they, I mean, well, you've seen the film on it. She was across the hall standing in that window. Uh, whoever shot her was on the left side with just their hand sticking out another door and shot across the hall. I didn't know. I don't think there was any warning. Hey, stop. Hey, if you've got any weapon or something, hands up. Nothing was ever said. Just bang. And nothing has ever been uh, revealed about that. This so-called committee that uh, that uh, Pelosi's put together, that she kicked off the Republican bunch, two or three of them. And, you know, we've got Cheney on it, I guess, if you call that a Republican. You've got maybe Romney on it, if you call that a Republican. <laughs> but the other one's got kicked off. So, uh, you know, what I'm saying is that uh, let's come forward with a little information here and let's uh, have the right people in this committee that's doing this research on what actually happened at that moment. And that, again, was from our Monday Y'all show where our Takapolo storyteller Jerry Short was on 
talking about how many, many people are in jail and have been in jail for at least six months in most cases because of what happened back on January 6th. And a lot of those people reportedly are not being given due process. They are not having a chance to talk to their lawyers the way that any normal criminal under lock and key would be having in this country. It's rather disturbing. Now, an update on this story here that has just kind of come my way. So on YouTube Thursday night, I'm sitting it there. I'm watching YouTube like I do almost every day. And I find an article, or not an article, a post on YouTube from someone named Jared Sessler. And Jared Sessler is currently a congressional candidate from the state of Washington. He was in Washington, D.C. back on January 6th, but he did not go to the Capitol. Therefore, he's not been arrested. But he was back in Washington, D.C. in the last few days. Sessler is a former Navy veteran, and he is a former NASCAR driver, of all things. And he's a Republican candidate in the state of Washington right now. I'm not endorsing him because, frankly, we don't have a lot of listeners in the state of Washington. And that's okay. Plus, I don't endorse people anyway on the Y'all Show. But he kind of also fancies himself, evidently, as a journalist. And he's got his own YouTube channel. And he was out just like those congressmen did. He went to that jail in Washington, D.C. in the last few days. While he was there with his camera rolling, a guy stumbles out that looked like he had been in the Taliban. He had long hair and a big bushy beard. And the guy lets Jared Sessler know that he's walking away from the jail. He was one of those January 6th detainees, and he finally had his freedom. And so Sessler interviews him, impromptu interview. And the guy he interviewed was a gentleman named Carl Dresch of Michigan. And it's a fascinating interview. If you get a chance to go onto YouTube, check it out. Go to Jared Sessler's YouTube page. Again, J-E-R-R-O-D Sessler, S-E-S-S-L-E-R. And he interviews Carl Dresch in the very moment he walks out of jail. You learn some things you haven't seen or heard from anybody. And it's it's really creepy, to be honest with you. It's, it's like, how could you have that happen? By the way, what Carl Dresch was charged with, he's been in jail for at least six months, by the way. What was he charged with? Parading. And I looked it up. There's 18 U.S. Code 1507 picketing or parading. And according to the legal minds of the world on this U.S. Code 1507, whoever with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duty, pickets, or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer or with such intent uses any sound truck or similar device or resorts to any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. Nothing in this section shall interfere with or prevent the exercise of any court of the United States of its power to punish for contempt. And this was enacted back in 1994, this parading. Did you realize there's a parading law on the U.S. Code, the books? If you're a lawyer, you probably learned about this in law school. For all of us who weren't smart enough to go to law school, I'm kind of making you feel a little smarter smarter here on the Y'all Show today. But, yeah. 
That's what this guy was charged with, and I assume that's what a lot of these people will end up being charged with, and according to that code, they can spend up to a year in jail for doing what this guy, which he, by the way, said he went through the Capitol. He did not have any law enforcement officers try to stop him when he went through the doors. He said he didn't do anything. He just toted a flag. That's what he did. He walked through the Capitol with a flag, and he just spent the last roughly seven months behind bars for that. And his problems with the government and being in prison may not be over with. That guy, again, Carl Dresch, and he was interviewed by Jared Sessler. If you get a chance to find that on YouTube, like me, you might find it rather fascinating and rather disturbing all at the same time. We have one little tiny report coming up before we wrap up this first hour. After the break, Melissa Rhodes has a southern accent on southern sports, and it is up right after this. Southern Accent. Here's a Southern Sports Update from Y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. On July 30th, the Texas Longhorns and Oklahoma Sooners both accepted invitations from the Southeastern Conference to become the 15th and 16th members of the most powerful league in college athletics. After the marriage was official, Greg Sankey, 8th Commissioner of the SEC, appeared on his own network to clarify the Birmingham-based conference's unanimous invitation to OU and UT, the one in Austin, and to reflect on the biggest achievement of his six years in office. I've watched our coaches uh, deal with the peaks of success and turn in a moment to the task at hand. Um, There's a lot of work. We're here in a moment, but there's much to be done, and we don't have the luxury, whether it's COVID issues happening around us, the NCA's announcement, uh, the name, image, and likeness issues, you know, congressional interest, state activities. There is a ton to do. Sports headlines and more at y'all.com. Thank you, Melissa. And again, the Southeastern Conference very soon adding Texas and Oklahoma officially where they'll officially be out playing in the SEC and quite a coup for Commissioner Greg Sankey. I think he is the, did she say the eighth commissioner? In Southeastern Conference history, got some good ones through the years from Roy Kramer and also how about Bud Schultz back in the 1980s and then Mike Slive did a fantastic job prior to Sankey. This is Y'all Talk With a, I said Harvey Schiller is who I meant to say, not Bud Schultz. Y'all Talk With a Southern Accent continues Hour 2. Our fishing forecast from Craig Faulkner is among the fun. The weekend is here, and all y'all get ready for a little party crowd. It's y'all talk with a southern accent. I want to hear from you. She couldn't keep from crying when she told me goodbye. But I knew the Lord, it was breaking her heart, that she was breaking mine. So for the sake of her feelings and the sake of my pride I told her not to worry about me So I'm sitting here soaking up the neon lights Misery looking for some company And tonight I'm looking for a party crowd Slamming back and laughing out loud With the smoke so thick the blues can't hang around with the 
you just don't care if you're dancing over here or fighting over there. I'm making the rounds, looking for a party crowd. It'll dawn on me tomorrow, wherever I wake up. I'll look back and try to recall just where the heck's my truck. So take my keys and lock 'em up tight. Let the good times flow. And I worry 'bout tomorrow when it comes to light. The night's still young, and I'm on the road tonight. I'm looking for a party crowd, slamming 'em back and laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick when blues can't hang around. With the jukebox jumping like it just don't care if they're dancing over here or fighting over there, I'm making the rounds, looking for a party crowd. Broadcasting on awesome radio stations across the Southland, we are the Y'all Show. We're in hour number two, getting you in the mood for the weekend, and won't you join me? Sing along. Little party crowd. I want to hear from you. Looking for a party crowd. Slamming them back and laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick the blues can't hang around. It might be sunny where you are or raining cats and dogs. It doesn't matter. Roll that window down. Let me hear you. Fighting over there. I'm making the rounds. Looking for a party crowd. The weekend is here. It is much needed for y'all. Slamming them back and laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick the blues can't hang around. Woo! Got just a few more weeks of summertime left. And we're here to put a big smile on your face. I'm John Rawl, and this is the show that covers everything Southern. It is absolutely wonderful to be back with you here as we launch Hour 2 of our End of the Week Fun. 803-816-1170. That is the way to text us. You can call us, too. Again, the number 803-816-1170. We're broadcasting from the Dixie Cafe. Come on by, see us, and let us know what you've got going on this weekend, if you would like. And perhaps you're enjoying the calm before the storm. We've got about three weekends before college football kicks off big time. Big time. we got preseason football going on right now this weekend. If you want to tune in to some of the different networks they've got, Maybe one of your favorite teams playing a little NFL. But college football, for many of you, is the much bigger deal. And today, if you tuned in in hour one, our latest stop, we're on a 44-city tour getting you ready for Labor Day weekend when college football kicks off big time. And today's stop is The Grove. It's 38677 zip code. It is the home of Abner's. It is the home of chicken on a stick. It is the home of beautiful women. That that not don't take me on that. Most people 
say where I'm talking about is where they redshirt Miss Americas. And if you go back and look at the history of the University of Mississippi, you're absolutely right saying that. I've actually gotten close to one of those Ole Miss women in my time. We're going to talk more about the traditions. We'll talk more about the famous alumni more in Hour 3. We've already, in Hour 2, or rather Hour 1, given you the kind of breakdown of Lane Kiffin's forthcoming football team for this year. I don't know why. Maybe it's just me waxing nostalgic here on today's Y'all Show. I spent a long time in Oxford, Mississippi. I have. I've spent a long time, spent a lot of money. I've had a lot of great times, and I've had some tough times in that town in North Mississippi. And I don't mind telling you about it. I'm proud of my time there, and I'm proud of my people there. But I, here today, am talking about Ole Miss because that school and that tradition is is part of the great tradition that each one of our southern schools have as we're on this trip around the south leading you up to the start of Labor Day weekend when this school here that we're talking about today plays Louisville in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game on Monday night of Labor Day. And while I was kind of researching the University of Mississippi here today, I stumbled on some songs that I haven't heard in over 10 years. For 16 years, I think it was, 2005 to about two years ago. I guess that was somewhere along 16 years I created, along with former coach Billy Brewer and the great Keith Sisson, now of Southern Airways Express, I created a talk show all about Ole Miss Rebel sports. It was my first show like that. I went on to duplicate that concept all over the southeast for all kinds of colleges. I still have some of those that I'm still involved in. But Hotty Toddy Hotline was the name of the show. It was my first show I did. And every week across more than 15 radio stations in Tennessee, Mississippi. We even had some in Alabama at one point. We had a show devoted to Ole Miss, Rebel, football, basketball, baseball, and more. It was just a great show. And we had a lot of fun doing it, a lot of great memories. And today, while I was researching some of this football stuff of yesteryear, I stumbled on a couple of files that I have not played in a long time. They used to be played on Hotty Toddy Hotline when we had people like Bill Flowers on there and Billy Brewer was the co-host, the great coach of the 1980s and a 1950s player for Johnny Vault. And so I found these songs and I wanted to play them because they're just great songs. And so here in this section of the Y'all Show, our Friday Free for Y'all, we usually throw in one song to kind of echo the fun of going into the weekend. Since football season will be here soon, and since we already are talking about what was the wonderful Ole Miss Rebels today, now they don't have quite so much Rebel in them. They're the Land Sharks, and people like me are disgruntled over what they've done there in Oxford over the last 10, 15, 20 years. I thought it would be fun to go back and play two songs, not marching band songs. These are songs by a group called the Lexington Brothers, and the founder of that was Mike again. Mike again currently works at the Ole Miss Athletic Department. And for many years, he was a good friend. I really don't keep up with him anymore. But, boy, he was so talented. He'd gone to Hollywood after he got his University of Mississippi degree and worked in TV production and more and loved the Rebels so much, 
he left Hollywood to come back to Oxford and get just terrible jobs for a number of years before he ultimately got a great job. He's kind of the video producer for Ole Miss Athletics, and he's done such a good job. Ole Miss is the only college that I'm aware of that has its coaches show appear on ESPNU every week. It's called The Season, and it's a very well-produced deal that I think Micah gets all the credit on. And so he's just so talented, and he's so funny. He's such a good singer, too. And that's why around 2007, 2008, he created this kind of a alter ego called the Lexington Brothers. And he and another, another guy decked out in, like, vintage Ole Miss stuff, and they'd go out and sing. And they came up with a whole album based on, like, songs about Ole Miss football. And I'm going to play two of them right now. One is really Ole Miss-centric with a lot of the great players of yesteryear mentioned, so you better listen close if you're a college football fan. You might remember some of these players. But he also has another song called The Grove Song that's just such a special song if you're a college football fan, especially as the season winds down and you got to go back home and college football is over with for a year. I'm going to play that one after I play this first one, which, again, is very Rebel-centric. But it's just a really well-written and well-sung song by the Lexington Brothers, who actually took their success doing Ole Miss songs to a show on CMT called Can You Duet? And they were on there for a while and got some national attention briefly before, again, Micah just had to be near the Ole Miss campus, and he continues to be there. This is one of the more famous songs from the Lexington Brothers. Again, it's Ole Miss-centric. If you like it and you're a Rebel fan, hotty toddy. If you're not, just bear with me here on this very short song called I'm for the Red and Blue. Hotty toddy, gosh almighty. Starkville's got the Bulldogs, Athens, Georgia too. Auburn's got the Tigers and so does LSU. There's doors and balls in Tennessee. Cox and Caroline, but for every team you offer, I wouldn't give a wooden dime. There's only one team that matters, and if you ask me, I'll tell you. If you want to be with the winners, you want the red and blue.
There's Senator Lucas, the Boris Fisher, and the little warrior, too. Buford Coleman and the dog, they all bleed red and blue. Yeah, I'm for the red and blue. All right, that was Mike again on the lead for the Lexington Brothers with that song all about Ole Miss football history. You like that one? Even if you're not a fan, you got to say that's a pretty catchy little tune right there. I'm for the red and blue. We got a special bonus as the Lexington brothers also have the song called The Grove Song. And I'm going to play that as we are talking about Ole Miss tradition and the University of Mississippi on this Friday edition of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And this song is called The Grove Song. And The Grove is truly one of the greatest traditions in college football. It's why the University of Mississippi was just ranked the number one college town college experience by ESPN. It is just truly awesome. It is one of the great things, again, of college football. And Micah and Lexington Brothers have this Grove song. And I'm going to give it a spin here because even if you don't like the Land Sharks or the Rebels, you like football more than likely. And you maybe in your lifetime have had a chance to go tailgate. Maybe you've had season tickets at your favorite school and tailgated. And it's that final tailgate of the year that's so bittersweet. And that's what the Grove song is all about. So even if you don't like that team in Oxford, I think you'll like this song here because it really applies to everybody who's a football fan and that special time of year, maybe when the leaves are falling and it's kind of, you just kind of realize as much as this has been awesome, it's, it's kind of coming to an end. So here's the Grove song from the Lexington Brothers on our salute to Ole Miss. Game is over. Everybody's packing up. Dump the ice from the cool. Load the tin in the pickup truck. Gotta give away the chicken. One less thing to pack. Throw away the potato salad. Put the folding chairs in a stack. Gotta leave the grove I don't wanna go Next home game's gonna be a while Goodbye to all my friends I hope to see you again I'll hide my tears behind a smile I can hear Dixie Somewhere in the night There's a cool breeze blow Everything feels just right Fires in the grills are dying The sweet smell fades away Everything's getting quiet After a long Saturday Gotta leave the groove I don't wanna go Next home game's gonna be a while Goodbye to all my friends I hope to see you again 
tears behind the smile Look away Hope y'all like that. That was Alexan and Brothers from my old pal Micah again, and that was a touching song about football and tailgating. And sadly, when as great as football is, when it kind of comes to an end, it's so touching and frankly tragic for some of y'all out there. And again, we've got more on the Ole Miss Rebel Land Shark Black Bears. We'll be sharing with you hour number three. When we come back from the break, another great pal of ours, Craig Faulkner. He's going to be stopping by and telling you all about the fishing and hunting grounds of Dixie. It's his fishing forecast, and it's up next on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Sitting pretty good High on a hill Looking at a field downwind If I can make a nickel Off of turning in bass Never worry about the price of gas I'll be wheeling and dealing And sitting there reeling them in Hunting, fishing, loving every day That's the prayer that a country boy prays Thank God he made me this way, hunting, fishing, loving every day. And we're back on Talk With a Southern Accent. Craig Faulkner is here. It's the fishing forecast heading into the weekend. This is the show that covers all things Southern, including the great Southern outdoors. And Craig, here before we got started, you were complaining about the heat. What are we going to do, Craig? What are we going to do? Uh, we're going to wait it out. That's what we're going to do. How, how are you today, John? I'm good, thanks. And, oh, yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine. All right. Now, uh, we're going to wait it out. I think I know what your plan is. You're, you're not evidently hitting the fishing holes and the hunting grounds this particular weekend. You're going to stay inside and do a little boob tube watching. Uh, probably not. Probably oh, not. Oh, no? I, I'm, I'm still going to be outside. In fact, uh, I finished... Uh, planting a food plot uh, this past weekend uh my brother got through the bush hogging and uh i got it i got it limed i got it uh seeded i got it fertilized i got it mowed and uh, just waiting on the rain now well maybe that'll come soon enough 
But I know you're guilty at at least at some portions of the month of August for watching TV. And I found out you've got all the outdoors channels on your television programming yeah. guide. Yeah, I've got a uh, package I bought through Dish, and uh, I will say I've got like five outdoor channels on there. And, uh, you know, we had a discussion before we came on air today about uh, some of the programming that I liked on there. And there's really a lot more of it that I don't like than it is that I like. Uh, There are a lot of hunting shows out there, in my opinion, that give hunting a bad name. And it's how the shows are produced. And they make it look like it's uh, a walk in the park to uh, execution when really hunting is not like that at all, uh, at least not for me. Uh, and you've got these private hunting clubs, you've got these fenced-in areas, you've got these people uh, breeding deer for enormous sizes, and that's not what a true hunter is in the game for. I mean, it, it's the uh, joy of being in the outdoors, the excitement of the hunt, um, Back in the day, you know, I was younger, it was like, how many deer can I kill? That's kind of like when you're in the young bragging stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, a hunter evolves over time and really come to appreciate the game you hunt and the sport itself. And to me, that's the evolution of a true hunter. And uh, it's not just the killing of the game. It's the, the entire hunt, the prep, the getting ready, the scouting, the fun of being out there and a lot of these hunting shows uh, make it look like it's going through a drive-through window at a uh, restaurant i mean they really portray it as being that and um, to me that puts out a bad name for the hunter well you're more of an outdoorsman than me and as a guy who doesn't necessarily make an effort to tune in these hunting shows or these hunting channels i get where you're coming from to me i agree with you 100 percent they do give hunting a bad name. That's why people like me who may not be as inclined to go hunting or fishing, I don't want to go hunting. It looks like it's just a video game, frankly. It's just so easy, and you're killing a, an, an animal for no reason. These guys go start high-fiving for killing a doe. When the doe, what what thrill was that to kill a freaking doe that was harmless? I mean, I get killing a big buck with a big rack. I understand that. But I don't understand this other hunting and and literally, the, the I mean, tell me as a guy, again, who's not a big outdoorsman, with technology the way it's progressed, it looks like, according to some of the hunting shows I've seen, it's not that hard to kill a deer. Am I wrong, or is it really easy with all the technology today? Well, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, the technology has just gone crazy, and, uh, and the, uh, the firearms and the bows and the capabilities that – they allow a hunter. Uh, a perfect example is uh, muzzle loaders. Uh, I remember when uh, Tennessee first came up with the muzzle load season, and uh, the muzzle loaders that were available at that time were uh, were so far behind where they are now. Because nowadays they're they're like a rifle. You shoot a twenty-two cap. As a, and you just got a firing pin. I mean, the only thing that really qualifies it as a muzzleloader nowadays is you do have to pack the powder in there. 
But muzzleload capabilities uh, with scopes on them are up over 200 yards now, whereas the muzzleloader I bought back in the day, it was all iron sights. Uh, you shot a round ball with a patch, and you had a cap. And I've actually still got my same muzzleloader, and I never did upgrade. Well, I'll take it back. I did upgrade one time, but I, I didn't like it, so I went back in time. In other words, there's technology out there that I could go out and get and use that I intentionally don't use. Uh, I've done the same thing with my bow hunting. Uh, I upgraded to some of the best bow equipment money can buy some years ago, and um, I actually reverted back to a bow I had that's probably 35 years old that I hunt with now. And my high-tech bow is just sitting there. I don't even hunt with it anymore. So I intentionally make it more of a sport. I'm not using the equipment that I could use. I make it more of a challenge for me in my hunting. And uh, I know other people do the same. But I don't know if that answers your question. It does. In some ways, especially when you start talking about bow hunting, I kind of, is it like, like golf? Is there some kind of organization that, I mean, bow hunting and hunting and these this equipment is a lot like golf clubs. They're always changing. They're always trying to get better and better and better. Oh, yeah. But in, in the world of hunting, is there an organization like the PGA that kind of supervises and, and makes sure these things are, I guess, legal? I mean, do you have to have rules in place for? Well, actually, there are different rules in different states. Oh. And, uh I'm not sure if it's still the same way, but uh, I know, and I've never been hunting out in Colorado, but uh, there are certain states, Colorado being one of them, and I was talking about the muzzleloaders earlier, where uh, a muzzleloader, you're not allowed to use a scope on a muzzleloader, and there are certain types of muzzleloaders you can and cannot use. In other words, they're eliminating some of the technology in some of their hunts, which I really approve of. Uh, I know the retailers and the manufacturers don't like to hear that, but uh, it, muzzleloader used to be called uh, primitive firearms. Mm-hmm. And it was called primitive for a reason, because they were. It was almost like what Davy Crockett would have been going it, around with? Exactly. And uh, that's what I hunt with still today. But in Tennessee and in a lot of other states, you can buy these muzzleloaders now, like I said, that they're good up to over 200 yards. So it's really... Not what I consider primitive at all. Number one, it's got scope on it. Number two, it's got capabilities of shooting like a yeah. rifle. And when you talk about hunting with this so-called primitive equipment, it sounds like you're okay because you're going old school with it. You're okay missing. Are you okay with missing? I'm, o- I'm okay missing. Uh, if I do miss, uh, I'm going to miss in a good spot, I can tell you that, because I'm going to be aiming at the vitals. And uh, and those would be the lungs, the uh, heart. Uh, Where do most people aim? Well, you can aim at a deer if you're not careful. You've got to pick. You got to visualize when you're shooting a deer, not looking at the whole deer, because if you look at the whole deer, there's an old saying. Um, and it's an old saying now. And I'm forgetting it when I'm thinking, but aim small. Aim small. By aiming small, you're picking out a spot on that deer, like the size of a fist, and you're visualizing that spot. Uh, when you're shooting at an animal that's that big, 
if you just concentrate on that one spot, uh, you'll come a lot better hitting vitals. Whereas a lot of people, especially uh, inexperienced hunters, will throw the scope up and they'll see the whole deer, you know, and they just aim at the, you know, a lot of deer are gut shot and never found because of that reason. They end up dying. They end up dying, a bad death, yeah. So, you know, that's why I'm always aiming at the front quarter of the deer. Anywhere in the front quarter is probably going to be, you'll find the deer. But uh, you get back behind the front quarter, and there's a good chance you may or may not find that deer. But uh, And the deer just got killed for no reason other than for the coyotes. Coyotes and the buzzers. Mm. Man. But... Uh, Craig Faulkner, he's with us there, our fishing forecast. And, again, these hunting shows that Craig has viewed, perhaps you viewed across the southeast, they make it so easy. And 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 it's so, I guess, must-see TV in so many ways for some of you out there. You mentioned you've got this package on your television that's got five channels? Uh, four channels. Four channels. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between the four? Mm really not just uh some of them have the same programming on there oh, do you know, syndicated but uh no uh, no I, I would say there's no difference it's just uh different programming you know but uh, like i said it's, it's, some of the programming syndicated so they'll have some of the same programming on okay. the same channel now one of the programs that i know that since you're also a, a fan of baseball a guy named Chipper Jones, Larry Jones, has a very good show. Talk, tell me about that. He does. Uh, Chipper does it right. It's called uh, Major League Bow Hunting. It's probably my favorite uh, outdoor hunting show. And he'll have different uh, guests on, former major leaguers, uh, throughout the season. And to me, he, he does hunting the right way, and he shows the sport in it. And then again, it's called Major League Bow Hunting, so it's all 100% bow hunting. Where does he go? He goes through all all over the country, different areas. Not the world? No, not the world. It's just uh, uh, whitetail and mule deer and uh, mainly whitetail hunting, but he does mule deer. And he does elk hunting also, but it's uh, it's all bow hunting, and uh, I think it gives hunting a... Uh, a good name he, he presents himself real well i like the production of the show i like the uh the, the uh, storyline and uh he unlike a lot of those other shows he's a good representation of the sport of uh, hunting chipper if you're listening we'd love to have you on here with the fishing <laughs> forecast uh, that's a pretty good statement again I, this is not a paid unlike most of these hunting shows we're not being paid to talk about this stuff which is another reason I don't like to watch them. It seems a lot of times that they're out repping some kind of apparel line I've never heard of. Right, right. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, I ran into this uh, again yesterday, and I brought it up before, uh, ammo issues. Still? Oh, it's unbelievable. I was at, uh, actually on a sales call the other day, but I was at uh, Camping World. Hmm. And uh, they have outdoor section over there. And yeah. while I was waiting on my uh, contact, I walked over to the uh, the guns, and they did have guns in there. I was kind of surprised at, and uh, but they didn't have ammo. I mean, there were a couple cases of three inch uh, shotgun shells they had, and some couple oddball boxes. 
uh, I don't even know what caliber they were, something I hadn't even heard of. And uh, so I started talking to the guy behind the counter, and uh, we were talking about ammo, and and it's just like I thought it was. Uh, people are hoarding ammo. They're getting to these stores on the days they're delivering ammo, and they're getting to the stores two hours before the store opens. When the store opens, they go up there and just rake the shelves off, go home, put it on the Internet, and sell it for three times the value mm. that it's worth. And I don't know how they're getting away with this, and stores are letting them continue to do it. But uh, I don't rifle hunt a lot, but uh, I ran out of rifle cartridges last year, and or almost ran out, and had to get some from a friend of mine. And... Uh, I hadn't found any since then. Hmm. I looked for the common cartridges, thirty thirty and thirty off six, are the ones that are, are just you, you can't even get them. Not not from a store. You have to go online and buy them from somebody. Which to me, if it's not illegal, it should be. Hmm. I mean, uh, so anyway, while I'm sitting there talking to this gunsmith, he's behind the counter. This uh, gentleman comes walking up. And he's asking for a certain caliber shell and uh, rifle cartridges, I should say. And he was dadgumming it into this and dadgumming that. And his wife had given him a special rifle for his birthday. And he hadn't been able to shoot it yet because he can't find a rifle cartridges for it. <laughs> so it, it, it's a bad. And he came from two counties away. Golly. Well, Craig, I know in the automotive world right now, they're having such a hard time with cars being made because of a shortage of computer chips. Are you aware of the computer chip shortage affecting the outdoors industry? No, just the uh, production. The production, uh, apparently ammo production can't keep up with the demand. Well, I know I, I was on an interstate just the other day, and I saw multiple truck, 18-wheeler trucks, hauling not cars but brand new boats so evidently the boats are being made without a problem yeah boats are being made without a problem but uh the demand is what really uh took all the boats uh out of the market because the covid mm -hmm. uh, fishing just went uh, and all outdoor activities just uh just blew up i mean uh it was great for the industry but uh Kind of like the automotive, uh, if you want one, you're going to have to pay top dollar for it, and uh, and lucky if you can even find one. Yeah. Um, We're lucky we found Craig Faulkner, and that's why each week he comes on here with his fishing forecast. Craig, thank you so much. Yeah. Always a pleasure catching up with you, and enjoy your TV watching or whatever else you're planning on doing yeah. this outdoors weekend. Didn't talk much fishing today, but that's uh, fine. I hey, got nothing on my mind. We, we, even hunting is a kind of like a forecast. Uh, one other thing I want yes, to add: uh, I just picked up my 2021-2022 hunting guide, and whatever state you're listening in, I would highly suggest to pick yours up there because. In Tennessee, and I'm sure the other states are just the same, there's always a lot of new information coming out. Uh, I, I just found out this morning when I was glancing through it, uh, my grandson's going to have his first birthday, and I always bought my grandkids' lifetime hunting and fishing license yeah. on their first birthday. The last one I bought was five years ago. What a good grandpa. And, and I looked down there, 
and the price has gone up $120 oh, in man. five years. Oh, man. Well, that's good Good advice from Craig Faulkner, our fishing forecast. Thank you. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, John. More of the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent is coming right up. back on talk with a southern accent getting you ready for the weekend i'm john rawl broadcasting today from the dixie cafe and wherever you are today across the southland we hope you're doing quite good we've got more in hour three headed your way we've got more on old miss and mississippi traditions coming your way and famous alumni of that sec institution plus some sports news going on today that we'll be sharing with you before we get out of here, hour three. But we still have a little bit of business to do here in hour number two. You can join us if you'd like to. Our text line is 803-816-1170, 803-816-1170. And back to some news headlines today on the Y'all Show. A Florida mother shot and killed by a toddler while on a Zoom call. Detectives saying the gun belongs to the child's father. What a tragic story coming out of the Sunshine State in Altamont Springs, Florida. 21-year-old Shamaya Lynn was on a Zoom conference call when a loud bang rang out. She fell backward as a toddler stood in the background. A person on that Zoom call ended up calling 911 when Lynn never returned to Zoom Later, she was found dead from a gunshot wound to the head. According to a statement from Altamont Springs, Florida police, investigators determined that the injury was caused by a toddler who found a loaded handgun, which was left unsecured by an adult in the apartment. Lynn was the child's mother, and the gun belonged to the toddler's father. A unfortunate, horrible thing out of the Sunshine State. Again, all caused by a loaded gun that some knucklehead left where a child could pick it up. And unfortunately, a 21-year-old mother died. It could have been the kid. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't have been anybody. And what a tragic story here on our headlines across the southeast today. Also on our headlines across the southeast, how about this family? I guess they got more money than they know what to do with because they decided to abandon Frontier Airlines after an employee of that airline told this family when they got on the flight that they had to mask up their two-year-old. And Rebecca Creamer believes masks have kept her family safe. She said, my son has a kidney issue and I'm pregnant so we can't get sick. But the mother, too, said that's why it's upsetting when Frontier Airlines told her that the toddler she had was being non-compliant because he would not wear a mask on a flight from Denver to Austin, Texas. And so what happened was Sylvia, her two-year-old son, her four-year-old daughter, and her mother ended up walking away from the flight and did not fly back to Austin. Just walked away. I wonder if Frontier is going to give them their money back. I would not think so, but yes. 
She said there were no passengers in the front of the plane nor any family behind them either. I guess they had social distancing going on and perhaps she felt like she did not want to mask up the child. She said several flight attendants asked how old her son was. She asked one of them why they were questioning her. I was like, what's going on? Do you think I'm being non-compliant? In the end, instead of going to jail perhaps or being kicked off, she decides to just walk away. And that's probably, what, a $300 per ticket walking away? So you, about four people, five, that's, what, $1,500 if my math is correct. She just decided to drive at that point from Austin, from Denver, rather, to the capital of Texas with her family. <laughs> what is that distance? Let me pull up my friendly maps on my app here. Denver Airport is... Denver International Airport directions to isn't technology great sometimes I better shut up before this doesn't work a drive from the Denver International Airport to Austin, Texas survey says come on come on 945 miles it would have taken on a good day over 14 and a half hours straight to get there. I bet you with all the kids and the mom in tow as well. Uh, probably more like a two-day drive from Denver to Austin. And you got to go through lovely places along the way like Amarillo by morning. That's really cool. I do like the fact that when you get to Amarillo, you can stay in Texas and scoot on over toward Wichita Falls, down into Fort Worth, then straight down to Austin. So, Lots of that drive in the Lone Star State. But, yeah, when she decided to get off that plane, she's getting her mileage in on the car instead of her air miles. We just told you this week about the census numbers coming out. Do you believe, this is hard to believe as a former resident of Huntsville, Alabama, that Huntsville, the rocket city, is now Alabama's largest city. Congratulations to Rocket City, USA, as Huntsville is now home to more than 215,000 people. And that's a growth of 19% from the 2010 census. I don't know where these people are located. Are they up on Montesano? Perhaps, yeah. Huntsville booming. Who's not booming? Every other big city in Alabama. And those cities are Birmingham, Mobile, Montgomery. If you know anything about Alabama's population and history, one of the rather unusual but kind of cool things at the same time about the state of Alabama is their license tags. And so going way back in history, when Alabama first started printing license tags, the original license tags in Alabama were, and still in most cases are, numeric in number. And it was the numbers... The first one or two digits represented the county that you were in when you got the tag, where it came from, where you live. Forever, county number one, and the counties that have a one at the start of the license tag represented Jefferson County, where Birmingham is. Counties with a number two were Mobile, and then number three was Montgomery. And those three counties, while not in alphabetical order, were put one, two, and three because they were the biggest counties in the state. 
And then going forward from those one, two, and three, it was alphabetical the rest of the way. It's why, for example, Tuscaloosa is 63. Morgan County, which is Decatur, I think is 52. And Athens, which is Limestone County, is 44. And I'm trying to think of any other ones. Shelby County, south of Birmingham, is 58. Are y'all impressed? You should be. I'm not even looking at a cheat sheet on this thing. And let's see, Baldwin County down around Mobile, it might be eight or nine. I, I don't. I don't know. But I know that what was not one, two, three, four at that time, number four was not Madison County, which is Huntsville. Huntsville was 47 because in the sequence of the alphabet, that's how it fell in Alabama's allotment of license plates. Well, now Madison County and Huntsville are the, it's the biggest city in the state of Alabama with all those people there. What a tremendous change and more coming. It's a great place to raise a family. If you have any connections to Huntsville, it's, it's a nice place here in the South. And that's why today we're telling you all about Rocket City, USA is the biggest town in Alabama. Forrest Gump would be proud. A little bit bigger than Bayou Labatre. Or wherever the heck he was from. Bubba was from Bayou Labatre. He was from, was it Greenbow or somewhere like that? I haven't seen Forrest Gump in a while. Y'all talk with a southern accent. We're going to wrap up our second hour right after this. Speaking of movies, we're going to tell you what is arriving in theaters this weekend. Are you going to go see a movie all about R-E-S-P-E-C-T? I'll tell you about that. All that is ahead on Talk with a Southern Accent. How can we end the opioid crisis that's gripping our state? By saving one life at a time. You have the power if you carry naloxone. It's the only opioid overdose reversal drug, and the Jackson Madison Prevention Coalition wants to give it to you free. The program has saved thousands of lives, many right here in West Tennessee. If you or someone you love is at risk of opioid overdose, if you're a first responder or you just want to learn more, call 731-694-0741. This project is funded by a grant from the Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. When I stray too far from your side I know now the wrong path was taken I can't count the nights that I've cried All right, we are going to wrap up this second hour now with a quick look at some of the brand new movies. And there's a bunch hitting theaters across the south here this weekend. Free Guy, that stars Ryan Reynolds as well as John Krasinski. It is out this weekend. A bank teller discovers he's actually an NPC inside a brutal open world video game. Free Guy in theaters this weekend. Also in theaters this weekend, this might well be worth a family trip to the big screen. Forrest Whitaker and Jennifer Hudson star in Respect. This is the biopic on Aretha Franklin, Memphis' own. 
and it's in theaters this weekend. Also out this weekend is the horror thriller from Stephen Lang starring in this alongside Brendan Sexton III. It is Don't Breathe 2, the sequel in the set in the years following the initially dead home invasion where Norman Nordstrom, played by Lang, lives in quiet silence until his past sins catch up to him. Also out this weekend is Coda, Child of Deaf Adults. That stars the very famous deaf actress Marley Matlin, as well as Daniel Durant. And CODA, C-O-D-A, is out this weekend on Apple TV Plus and in select theaters. Emma is out this weekend, and that is a foreign language film, it looks like. It's available for you. This one sounds pretty interesting. The East, set in post-World War II Netherlands. And it's about the Netherlands colony of Indonesia. The East is available this weekend. That one, I think, is also a foreign language film. Those are just some of the many selections available if you want to head out to the movie theaters this weekend. Y'all, talk with a southern accent. we got another hour before we get you out of here for the week. That's coming up next. Stay tuned, y'all. Welcome back to the Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, couch purring, bed leaping, and of course, companionship. Wonderful. And what breed would you say Nico is? I'd have to go with a tabbyish Persian kind of mix. Tremendous cat. I'd also like to point out her coat's wonderful mix of colors. Is it black, gray, gray, black, brown? Somewhere in between. Indeed. You know, it's always special when we get to see a cat like this. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And how she's so incredibly cute in her indifference to commands. A strong-willed feline. Ah, and see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. I know. Fantastic cat. Fantastic indeed. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy backsplash. I want to be a bike that races around the when country. When I grow up, I want to be a bench on a forest when I trail. Grow up, I want to be a rocking chair on when a sunny I grow up, porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be a... I want to be a... I want to be a... I want to be When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me... I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. A public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. It's the top of the hour, and you've got the power. WNWS 101.5 Jackson and WTJS 93.1 Alamo Jackson. 
The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of management, ownership, or advertisers. Final hour of the Y'all Show for this week. Hope y'all are doing good. If you want to connect to us, we have the Facebook page for the Y'all Show. It is y'all.com on Facebook. We're also at the homepage of the South. That is y-a-l-l.com. What in the y'all are you talking about? Well, if you're a Southerner, we got great stuff there. More coming on Saturday. If you tune in, you'll get the latest episode of Tricks of the Trade where we give you all the home improvement tips. Maybe you've got something you're wanting to squeeze in before Labor Day weekend. We can tell you, thanks to Jimmy Duke and John Allen, that's Tricks of the Trade, and that's at y'all.com, and that'll be published on Saturday. So go ahead and make your must-see TV viewing for the weekend there. Plus, we have this great show that you're listening to called The Y'all Show, and we have that posted at y'all.com, the South's homepage. That and so much more. We even have links to email us and to call us posted at y'all.com. And that, in case you just can't quite get over to the internet browser right now, if you want to connect to us here, our email address is mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com, and you can just pick up the phone and text us. The number is 803-816-1170. 803-816-1170. Those are pretty easy ways, I think, for you to be able to kind of keep in touch with all y'all. And in this case, it would be with all y'all, yours truly, the general of all things Southern, John Rawl. Here in this final hour of our little discussion about Dixie, in just a few minutes, we're going to go back to the Grove and back to Oxford because we're going to tell you about some of the great traditions of Ole Miss game days. We'll discuss famous alumni of the University of Mississippi. You reckon I'm on that list? We also will tell you about the university itself, how it has grown to be the flagship of the state of Mississippi and its growth and what's going on there in Lafayette County. All that is part of our coverage of Ole Miss and the University of Mississippi, our latest stop on our journey across the southeast. We are today on our 29th stop of 44 stops, getting you set for the start of college football. That means we've got 15 more after today, and guess what? Those 15 that are remaining over these next three weeks before we have football kickoff Labor Day weekend are going to be some of the greatest and biggest and just ex- just just exciting college football programs and universities in the entire country. Again, over the next three weeks, we'll be walking you all the way to that Friday where the last – I've said it once. I'll go ahead and say it again. I, I, I'll tell you who our – final spotlight school is going to be school number 44 on our list which we will be unveiling on our last stop on this tour which will come to you on friday september 3rd that will be the capstone 
the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. That's going to be our last stop. So between today and Oxford, until we stop off in Tuscaloosa, we still got some really good colleges we haven't got to yet, and we're going to do that. So just keep listening each day over the next couple of weeks for those. And really, you should go ahead and make an appointment every single day to take time to tune in to y'all show and learn about the South, whether it's the news, whether it's the food, whether it's the sports, whether it's the humor. We got a little bit of it all right here on y'all talk with a Southern accent. Before we get into what's going on in terms of the football stories with the University of Mississippi and the traditions that are coming out of Oxford, let me start off this hour with some sports headlines coming from not just Oxford, but across the Southeast today. And we'll start off with a little NFL news. Speaking of the Crimson Tide, did you tune in on Thursday night and see Mac Jones taking his first snaps as a Patriots quarterback? I know it was a preseason game, and I know they were taking on the lowly Washington football team, a team that did get to the playoffs last year in WFT, and the Patriots did not go to the playoffs in 2020. But Mac Jones... Did get out there, throw a few passes. He and Cam Newton both getting a chance to play in that first half in Foxborough. And he did, I thought he did fine. And you know what? It's turning out that the former Alabama Crimson Tide quarterback who led them to the 2020 National Championship, Jones sought the advice from Auburn alum Cam Newton ahead of his preseason debut. Cam Newton, after that 22-13 Patriots win at Gillette Stadium, said Mac Jones came and talked to him and talked it out about just his expectation. Every young quarterback goes through it, according to Cameron Newton. The excitement, the anticipation, he wants to be so perfect, and I see his preparation as always pristine. That's what I admire about him. This is an Auburn guy bragging on a Crimson Tide guy. <laughs> Now, Mac Jones, while playing there for the Patriots, played five series, went 13 of 19 passing for 87 yards, and then he got sent back to the bench. And so he had, it was fine. It was, it was no big deal. I will take a moment here, as I did see just a portion of that preseason game Thursday night between the Patriots and WFT, to see Cam Newton. And again, I will echo what I've said before. I'm proud of Cam Newton. I didn't think this guy was going to ever play quarterback, at least in a starting role, again. I thought due to injuries, he was done. And I followed him all the years as a Panther. I trust the Panthers knew what they were doing when they let him go, partly because of money, but a big part because of injury. And I didn't think Cam Newton was going to ever play football. And he's not, I don't think, in his prime health-wise – He's had some severe injuries, concussions, and more. But he's still playing the game. And he's and after watching that preseason game Thursday night against Washington, Cam Newton's still out there just laughing and being Cam, super Cam. And I'm, again, very proud. I never would have said I was proud of Cam Newton when he was a Panther. He was just a rich NFL player that was so gifted and a once – NFL MVP, doing what MVPs do, play ball, have fun. But I had I had counted this guy out. 
Now, I'm not saying he's going to turn around in 2021 and have an MVP season and lead the Patriots to a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that at all. But every time Cam Newton steps on the field and takes a snap, it's a victory for him over doubters like me. Don't call me a hater. I like Cam Newton. I liked him in Charlotte, and I liked him in what he's doing in Foxborough. I just figured the medical staff knew what they were doing, and maybe they do. Maybe he will never quite be what we're used to seeing back when he was suiting up in the black and reflex blue of the Panthers. Maybe that cam is gone. That's a memory from five years ago plus. But he's still evidently the best quarterback on the Patriots roster because Mr. Belichick could easily just go ahead and say Mac Jones is, is our guy. And he still could do that before we have the first week of Patriots football. They play the Dolphins, I believe, week one of the regular season. But good to see Cam Newton. And he, he was out there late in the game when some of the guys who probably won't even make the Patriots roster scored a touchdown. And he was laughing it up, had that towel wrap. He had a mask and a towel around his head like he normally does. And he was a clown. But I'm okay with that because, again, every time Cam Newton's out there is a victory for him. Also, in addition to New England winning Thursday in preseason ball, you had in the Battle of Pennsylvania the Steelers getting a victory over the Eagles 24-16. Now, what's on tap for NFL preseason action today It's the Titans at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They're taking on the Atlanta Falcons Friday evening. Buffalo is at Detroit, and the Cowboys will be at State Farm Stadium in Glendale to take on the Arizona Cardinals. On Saturday, a very busy day for NFL preseason matchups. It starts early. The NFL Network's actually going to have a triple header. How about that? Starting at 1 Eastern, 12 Central, you got the Dolphins at the Bears, From Soldier Field, again, high noon Chicago time is this preseason game. That's going to be followed on the NFL Network by the Broncos at Minnesota. And then the Browns will be at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence's first preseason game will be on the NFL Network on Saturday night. And I forgot, they got a fourth game televised Saturday night. And that's going to be the Chargers and the Rams, the Battle of L.A., from SoFi Stadium. Four games on the NFL Network on Saturday. Must-see TV. And then I'll tell you about an added value bonus on Sunday coming from that network. Remember, in preseason football, usually the games are televised, but usually they're done by the individual school, uh, school, individual franchise's own production crew, and it's like a local network type deal, maybe within a state or region that they do these things and they're not necessarily available all over the place like the NFL Network has the capability of doing. Other games Saturday, Saints will be at the Ravens. The Jets and the Giants get together at MetLife Stadium in the battle of the city that never sleeps. Bengals will be taking on the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. It's the Houston Texans at Lambeau to take on the Packers. The Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers get together in Santa Clara. And Seattle will be at Allegiant Stadium to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. And then that super added value bonus on Sunday, you got high noon indie time football on the NFL Network as the Colts will be at Lucas Oil Stadium at 1 Eastern, 12 noon Sunday. And they welcome in Christian McCaffrey 
Sam Darnold, Matt Rule and company. It's the Carolina Panthers and the Indianapolis Colts. Preseason week number one wraps up from Lucas Oil Stadium Sunday afternoon. Now to some Major League Baseball news. The Dodgers and Trevor Bauer. This is getting uglier and uglier by the day. The Dodgers, Trevor Bauer, has Major League Baseball administrative leave extended for a fifth time. And he's been extended all the way through August 20th. Again, his fifth extension, a civil hearing for the temporary restraining order that was obtained against Trevor Bauer, is scheduled August 16th through 19th in L.A. Superior Court. And now MLB, which can unilaterally place a player on administrative leave for up to seven days under a joint domestic violence policy, putting him back to the back of the back of the back of the bullpen. And his future definitely in doubt right now. The 30-year-old pitcher has been accused by a woman of choking her until she lost consciousness on multiple occasions. And she also alleges that Trevor Bauer punched her in several areas of her body and left her with injuries that required hospitalization over the course of two sexual encounters earlier in 2021. There is a temporary restraining order against Trevor Bauer and more. Again, this is a really unfortunate thing going on in Major League Baseball with its defending Cy Young winner, Trevor Bauer. That, the story... Did you see any of that Field of Dreams game Thursday night between the Chicago White Sox and the New York Yankees? I saw the top of the ninth inning. I kind of forgot about this thing. I was at a restaurant, saw the top of the ninth. I saw Aaron Judge hit a big home run. I saw another home run come. And lo and behold, the Yankees, which were down several runs in that top of the ninth inning, took the lead into the bottom of the ninth inning. And I had to leave. I had to leave the restaurant, so I did not tune in and see the end. But right there in the cornfields of Dyersville, Iowa, you had another field of dreams. And what a heck of a comeback. As Tim Anderson of the Chicago Southsiders hit a two-run homer with one out in the ninth inning, and he hit it all the way into that cornfield in the outfield, and it was a walk-off win for the Sox, 9-8 in the very first Major League Baseball game ever played in Iowa. What a great game and what a touching story. And Kevin Costner, the star of the 1991 Field of Dreams movie, was right there to see it all. Pretty cool. Pretty cool for Chicago White Sox fans. And, again, just a great Cinderella inning and an exciting game something Major League Baseball was looking for when they scheduled this thing to be played in a cornfield in Iowa. On the MLB docket, they're not going to be in cornfields this evening across Major League Baseball. Braves and Nats, they'll be playing in the nation's capital this weekend in a series. Reds and the Phils, a battle of two teams who have their eye on the postseason. The Brewers will be at the Bucks this weekend. The O's will be taking on the Boston Red Sox at Fenway. The Chicago Northsiders will be on the South Beach side of things. Cubs and Marlins this weekend. The Cleveland Indians soon-to-be Guardians will be at Detroit. The Dodgers will be at the Mets. A's will be taking on the Texas Rangers in Arlington. 
The Cardinals and Kansas City have their Show Me State Series going on this weekend. The Tampa Bay Rays will be at Minnesota. The Astros and Angels get together. The Padres and those snakes out of Arizona have a series this weekend. Rockies will be at San Francisco. Toronto will be south of the border, taking on the Seattle Mariners in action on the Major League Baseball Diamond this weekend. When the Y'all Show comes back after this break, stay tuned. We're going to continue on with our discussion of all things Ole Miss, Mississippi Landshark. All that is coming up. We'll tell you about some of the famous alumni of the University of Mississippi and traditions and just so much about UM. UM at UM. University of Mississippi at University of Mississippi. That is up next. Hotty toddy gosh amighty. show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's y'all show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And on today's great Southern College Football Showcase... We're taking you to where the speed limit sign says 18. We're taking you to Lafayette County in North Mississippi. Today, it's all about the University of Mississippi. In Hour 1, we walk through Lane Kiffin's schedule and our expectations for the Rebel Landshark Bears in 2021. And I think the expectations are rather high for that program here in this hour i'm going to tell you about some of the fun of game days in ox vegas i've been to my share of games and some of them i even remember (laughs) after attending the grove and here on the y'all show we're on a tour across the southeast this is stop number 40 uh, rather 29 on a 44 city cavalcade of college football conversation man i'm getting good at this and today it's all about that school that's been great it's a school that i've always been interested in or at least as a young adult became interested in it mainly mainly because of three things in fact these three things and i don't mean to make this about me but i do have a degree from said University of Mississippi. When I chose to go to graduate school at the University of Mississippi, I went there for three reasons. Three reasons. One, it's a pretty good school. That's one of the good reasons I went there. And I went there to get my master's in journalism. And I got it. Yee! Woohoo! And I'm going to rub it in Shepard Smith's face here in a second when I talk about famous alumni. The second reason I went to the University of Mississippi for graduate school is because of the great southern traditions and the southernness that is Oxford and Mississippi and especially the University of Mississippi. 
I was drawn to go to school there. It was the only school I applied for, for graduate school, because of its history and Civil War history. I love what that school's done in its history, where soldiers from, or students, frankly, left there in 1861 and formed the University Grays and went off to fight in the Civil War and died on battlefields like Gettysburg. And that interested me. And I was always appealed as a youngster watching Ole Miss because they had the Confederate flags and they had Dixie and they had Colonel Reb and they had all this stuff that as a youngster and even as still, I'm kind of intrigued by it. I like it. I like that. I like Civil War history. This was one of our quintessential Southern history slash Civil War schools. Why? Because, look, they're still called the rebels, for goodness sake. And that, that interests me. It's, again, one of the three reasons I went there. I know some of you are like, what in the world? Why'd you, why would you go to school? Well, I, I did. It's the only place I applied. The third reason I went there was because of the women. <laughs> and Ole Miss, historically, I, I can't speak for it now because I don't get down there and check out this category all that often. But Ole Miss is known to have some beautiful women. And I went to graduate school there hoping to find me one of them beautiful women. You know what? I struck out. I did find one, but it took me over a year after living there to find me one of them Ole Miss co-eds. And there's an old saying that at Ole Miss, they redshirt Miss Americas. And they frankly, they, they have. They've had, they've had a lot of Miss Americas through history. And, in fact, right now the sitting Miss USA is a Ole Miss alumnus who just missed out on becoming Miss Universe. So they got some pretty, pretty ladies. And that attracted me to go there as a graduate student. Now let me also tell you, for all of you who are trying to sit here maybe and think, God, that guy's such a male pig. Uh, there's a lot of pretty girls at Ole Miss, but a lot of them, I mean a lot of them, are mean. <laughs> and they wouldn't give you... Good old redneck boys like me, the time of day. So if you're a guy thinking, well, I'm going to change my college choice right now and go there, uh, you might want to think about that one first because, yeah, there's a lot of pretty girls, but there's a lot of them that wouldn't give you the time of day. And I can tell you from firsthand experience. Okay, enough of the nonsense. Those were the three reasons, and I I promise you, why I chose to go to that school in Oxford. The University of Mississippi – it currently has, and I'm a little surprised it's not to 20,000 yet, it's right at 19,000 students. Glenn Boyce is the current chancellor. Now, he got hired there a few years ago after several different chancellors kind of had a revolving door, and a lot of it was brought on by controversies, not even your typical controversies, but controversies brought on by chancellors and woke people shooting themselves in the proverbial head creating dilemmas and problems and just it's just been it's just been a bad story and that's why people like me who have a degree i'm not saying a lot but there there probably is a lot of people like me have kind of checked out of what goes on from an athletic standpoint from from uh really wanting to know what every move is and on campus and more it's just been so much i mean they've taken away the Confederate statue. They took away 
from Dixie with love. They took away the greatest mascot in college sports, Colonel Reb, officially. Now, it's unofficially still there. In fact, if you're able to stop by the Dixie Cafe in the next 20 minutes, I'll give you a Colonel Reb football schedule for all you Ole Miss fans. Or go to colonelreb.org, and you can learn how you can get this really cool Colonel Reb throwback-looking 2021 schedule for Ole Miss fans. But all these things taken away and just – I mean, just it's, – it's been going on 20 years. And it happens at every school. I realize that. But this school that attracted me, for the reasons I just told you about, I probably wouldn't be as attracted to it if I were looking for a school to go to today. I don't know where I'd go. Maybe I would not go to school at all and make even more money. But right in Oxford, a very rural county, I think Lafayette County, where it's located, is about 50,000 souls – claim the community the local area and it is a special place i mean it is why william faulkner who's buried there in town he wrote about it although he did it under the name yakna batafa it's why cameras generally love to go there and capture the great scenes and the tradition separate of the university just it's just a classic Mississippi southern town and frankly a lot of our Mississippi southern towns and maybe even most of our southern towns despite what state they're in they're not doing too good a lot of our towns in the south have lost factories they've lost their sort of cultural and business centers of their town I'm talking in this case about the town square and that's the one thing in Oxford boy the square is just so awesome And if you ever get a chance to go to Oxford, even if it's just for one day, go check out the square, eat some of the great food. Go to Square Books, Richard Howorth, who went from being a bookstore owner to being a two-term mayor of the city of Oxford. He's got that right there. And it's just, just a great place. And, of course, it was already great before Howorth took it over. In fact, he took it over from a lady from Jackson, Tennessee named Pat Lamar, the Jackson, Tennessee native, became mayor of Oxford back in the 1990s. And that trend's continued, and it's just it's just a really awesome place. Why am I telling you this? Not because I lived there for so long. That's what people tell me when I tell them, oh, I lived there. Oh, really? What a, what a great place. Especially when I talk to fellow SEC fans. They say, man, we love to come to Oxford for game days. Of course, I'm going to tell you more about the traditions of game day at the University of Mississippi in a second because it truly has the best tailgating experience, period. And don't believe me? Go look at the pundits. They all say the same thing. What about the famous alumni of the University of Mississippi? Thanks to Ranker.com, I've got a listing of the top ten that have attended the University of Mississippi, some of which are football players some of which are actors and actresses and TV personalities. And, yeah, maybe there's a chance yours truly could be on this list from Ranker.com. Coming in at number 10, it's a guy whose daddy and his granddaddy both played football for the Ole Miss Rebels. I think maybe both played for Johnny Vault. It's Todd Wade, T. Wade. And I got to know Todd Wade through my years in Oxford and He went on to play in the NFL, mostly for the Miami Dolphins, and he also played for the Redskins at one point. And he's a guy who grew up 
in Mississippi. Todd Wade is the 10th most famous alumnus of Ole Miss. Another guy I literally saw firsthand become famous. I saw him playing at Humboldt, Tennessee natives, Stan Little's Blue Marlin Restaurant. According to Ranker.com, Josh Kelly, the singer who has had a little bit of success on Hollywood Records, I got to see him when he was just starting out with a song called Amazing, and that got to be a, a hit for him. And Josh Kelly, who grew up as a golfer in Augusta, Georgia, and went to Ole Miss on a golf scholarship, would play the same song over and over. I thought he was terrible at the time. He was. He probably would admit that. Josh Kelly, singer, who went on from pop to country and had a little bit of success. His brother, by the way, is Charles Kelly of Lady Annabellum. And the cool thing about Josh Kelly, after playing there at the Blue Marlin and Sneaky Tiki, I remember seeing Eli Manning come in there all the time. Josh Kelly went on, and he, he got discovered. Here's what's cool about him. It, it shows why going to the library matters. Now, if you ever go to Oxford, they have a bar called the library, and I've been there a lot. I used to do a radio show from the library, John Dessler's place on the square. But in this case, Josh Kelly, he got his fame from going to the library. As he put out a couple of songs in the early days of the Internet, and somewhere around 2001, 2002, I think it was Napster, if y'all remember that, Josh Kelly had something out on Napster and a record executive heard it and it ultimately led to him being signed in 2002 to Hollywood Records. And that's when he had a song that went out on the charts and it got to be number one on the U.S. Heat chart. Almost Honest was the name of that. And the song that he had that was fairly successful, Amazing. And that's the song he would play over and over and over at Stan Little's Blue Marlin Restaurant in Oxford back in 2002, I think it was. And I even remember some of that after some of those late nights on the Oxford Square. Josh Kelly also went on to marry a true Hollywood celebrity, a a lister. He married and still is remaining and still is married to a Hollywood actress that you might remember from TV, she was on a program for a long time. Katherine Heigl is who he is married to. And she is no longer on, or I don't even know if that show's in production anymore. Katherine Heigl, the beautiful blonde that was on TV shows for a long time and movies. In fact, I remember her when she was on under Siege 2. She starred in that movie as a youngster. And then, I believe it was ER? Was that the TV show she was on on ABC? But one of the big stars of that TV series before also being in some movies along the way. And she... A big actress somewhere around 2000. Grey's Anatomy. What am I thinking? She was on Grey's Anatomy as Dr. Izzy Stevens. I knew it would come to me. She'd been in a lot of stuff. I mean, she's starred in movies like Killers. She was in 27 Dresses. I think that was one of her big roles. 
and also The Ugly Truth. Katherine Heigl, wife of Josh Kelly, one of the most famous University of Lum- Mississippi alumni. Also on this list, again from Ranker.com, I have to speed things up. This lady was a true beauty queen, and she ended up becoming a Hollywood figure as well. Her hometown, Biloxi, Mississippi, Mary Ann Mobley. And she was Miss America 1959. And then she married Gary Collins, Mary Ann Mobley, who once had a roommate from a place called Jackson. Miss Betsy Cox is her name today. But, yes, Mary Ann Mobley, one of the most famous alumni. Eli Manning is on this list. As I said, I used to see him at the Sneaky Tiki. Eli Manning, who was in school back around 2002, 2003, got his degree. Still has a house, as far as I know, just down the road from the University of Mississippi. How about this guy, Major Dad and Simon and Simon star, Gerald McCraney. Collins, Mississippi native, Gerald McCraney, went to school at Ole Miss. This guy went to school there, and unlike me, he did not get a degree from the University of Mississippi. Shepard Smith from Holly Springs, Mississippi, Marshall Academy alumnus. He is one of the most famous alumni of the University of Mississippi. <laughs> Shepard, I got a decree, and you always talk about Oxford time and Ole Miss, and, and you ain't got what I got, big guy. Karen Graham, a former model, Gulfport native. She is on the list. How about John Henson, who he was a congressional representative from Tylertown, Mississippi. He's on the list of famous alumni. Ruth Ford, a model and stage film actress way back in the day. She is a famous alumnus of the University of Mississippi. I don't know who she is, never heard of her, but I know who's number one. Number one on the list of famous alumni of the University of Mississippi, again, according to Ranker.com, Kate Jackson from Charlie's Angels. She's a Birmingham native that went on to be a University of Mississippi student and then, of course, going on to be in Charlie's Angels for all those years. Kate Jackson, hotty toddy, gosh almighty. Lastly, as we wrap up talking about Ole Miss, let me tell you about some of the great traditions when you go to the University of Mississippi. It all starts and ends, and it truly does, at the Grove. To my good friend Billy Brewer's credit, the longtime coach, player, and just a late Southern legend, Billy Dog Brewer, when he was coaching there in the 80s, he kind of helped create the Grove and the Walk of Champions that you'll see on a game day. And a lot of colleges have copied that concept since Billy Dog Brewer brought that to Oxford in the 80s. And, again, so many places call this 10 acres of tailgating absolute heaven. One article in Sporting News called it the holy grail of tailgating sites. Imagine the Kentucky Derby happening eight times a year, and that's what happens on game days in Oxford. It is really cool. And on a personal note, I even met one of my wives tailgating in the Grove. So that's how special it can be. And as I mentioned, there at the Grove, you have the Walk of Champions. That's kind of the entrance. That's where the team goes through this little arch to recognize some great Rebel teams of yesteryear the Walk of Champions, and lining up that Walk of Champions on the game day is a special sight. How about the cheer that if you're not a Ole Miss person, you don't have a clue what the heck hotty toddy is, but it is a cheer that goes way back, I think, to the 1920s, and 
you'll hear 60,000 people yell this thing out on game days. And I'll do my part right now without running too many people off at the Dixie Cafe. Someone would say, are you ready? And then 60,000 people would say, hey, yeah, damn right. Hotty toddy, gosh mighty, who the hell are we? Hey, flim, flam, bim, 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 bam, old miss by them. Sorry for the language, folks. Yes, that's the hotty toddy. And as I just told you, one of the, again, this is according to 247sports.com. They only have five things listed as traditions for Ole Miss. And number four on this list of traditions is beauty and ball. And, again, I'm not trying to sound like a pig. Beauty is part of the tradition at Ole Miss. And they write about this in this article. Newsweek recently named Ole Miss as the nation's most beautiful college. And the publication wasn't just talking about the architecture and landscaping. It's also talking about the people. And maybe they were talking about me since, again, I went to school there. One of my two schools I went to school. And the old saying, and I love this one, Ole Miss were they red shirt Miss Americas. And, as I said, I better brag about her while I can, the current Miss USA, which to me is a little bit more prestigious these days than Miss America. In fact, speaking of Miss, Miss America, it was just recently the head of Miss America was based in Oxford. It was Sam Haskell. But then they've had so many incredible problems <laughs> with what's going on with the Miss America. It's, it's been crazy. The current holder of Miss USA is Asia Branch. And she is from Boonville, Mississippi, and a Ole Miss alumnus. And she is the current Miss USA. So, told you. In fact, once again, let me tell you about a story Billy Brewer told me once. In the 1980s, Ole Miss played a game at Notre Dame. Billy Brewer was the coach. They got the heck beat out of them. Years later, Billy Brewer was riding in a cab in New York City. When his cab driver found out he was the coach at Ole Miss, he said, oh, I went to a game once at Notre Dame when Ole Miss played there. And Billy said, well, actually, I was the head coach of that team. And the cab driver went on to say, well, man, you know what stood out to me wasn't the game. It was just how beautiful those Rebel students were. Those girls were just so beautiful. And this, again, was a game played at Notre Dame in Indiana. And Billy Brewer fired back, well, if you were so impressed by all those girls – and I can't imagine there were that many that actually traveled from Oxford all the way to South Bend for a football game. If you were so impressed by those, well, you don't realize huh, that was the third team. We left the first and second team back home in Oxford. <laughs> those are the words of the late Billy Dog Brewer. And then I'm not going to list this as a great tradition. I think it's kind of stupid. It's, it's a tradition that's just popped up evidently in the last few years, locking the vault. And that's a, kind of silly thing they do on game days of fans locking their arms and swaying back and forth. I think the greater tradition at Ole Miss was in in the years that I'd go to games was the fact that most people, including diehard fans, wouldn't even show up at a game until somewhere on into the first quarter because you were having so much fun in the Grove. Oh, we'll just go see the game whenever. It's not that big of a deal that we see every single snap. That, to me, is one of the best traditions at Ole Miss. And, and, and part of the reason that tailgating is such a big deal 
at Ole Miss is the way they do it. They have a system that's a proven system of where there's no cars. You don't you don't have people tailgating in the back of a car or out of a truck. It's all you set up these little pop up tents. We call them Grove tents in the Ole Miss world, and it's a very regimented, sophisticated, beautiful system. And just imagine 10 acres of nothing but pop-up tents under sprawling oak trees. And even in the heat of the early games of September, it's not that bad. And people dress to the nines. And these beautiful people I'm telling you about are all on display. It's it's a really neat thing. And it's part of the reason today on the Y'all Show, we've taken probably a little bit too much time, and I apologize, talking about, the University of Mississippi. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Damn right. Hotty toddy, gosh almighty. Who the hell are we? Hey, flim, flam, bam, bam, old miss. Bye damn. The Y'all Show is going to wrap things up here in a minute. We're going to get away from talking about that school in Oxford and give you a quick update on the headlines. And before we get out of here today, well, we'll just squeeze in one more little rebel song for you. How does that sound? The show all about the South continues. Hotty tight. Now look at him, Mama. Let me tell you this. If you want to get crooked, I'm going to give you my best. You might read from Revelation back to Genesee. If you get crooked, your southern can't belong to me. Ain't no need you bringing no jive to me, cause your southern can't is mine. Might go uptown, have a rest, and have me put in jail. Some hot shot got money coming and go my bail. Soon as I get out, get the ground. Your southern can't work two dollars a half a pound. Got a few minutes left here as we close out a great week of programming on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Let's dive into a couple of headlines going on in the news today. Earlier today in the state capital of Tallahassee, Florida, legendary college football coach Bobby Bowden was lying in honor at the state capitol of the Sunshine State from 10 until 1 today, the 91-year-old coach who died Sunday following a battle with pancreatic cancer, his body again lying in honor at the state capital of the Sunshine State, the longtime Florida State Seminole coach who won more than 370 games, coaching 34 seasons at Florida State. He also was a coach at Howard College, his alma mater, as well as West Virginia before heading to Tallahassee. Bobby Bowden survived by his wife, Ann, and his daughters, Robin and Ginger, and sons, Stephen, Terry, Tommy, and Jeff. He's got 19 grandchildren and 14 great-grandchildren. A public memorial service takes place Saturday at the Tucker Civic Center. That's at 11 a.m. in Tallahassee. His body will be laid to rest on Sunday in Trustville, Alabama. Again today, lying in honor at the Florida State Capitol. Story out of Memphis. A man is missing his father's ashes, and it's all because of a screw-up from FedEx. And this is in FedEx's home city. Thomas Ewing was trying to get some items delivered to his apartment in Memphis while he was visiting family in 
Portland, Oregon back in February, and so he decided to ship the ashes of his late father, and they got lost in transit. Evidently, FedEx admits they really messed up. They sent a statement saying, we understand how important these shipments are to Mr. Ewing and regret that this happened. We are currently looking into these claims and will work directly with Mr. Ewing on this matter. Might want to think extra, extra hard before you go shipping off your loved one's ashes via FedEx after a story like this. And as I just said, this man lives in Memphis, of all places, the home city of FedEx, and they had a big-time mess-up like that. Hmm. Y'all, we will wrap things up after this. Get out of here for the week. So hang on just a few more moments for the show that's all about the South. Once again, sounds from the pride of the South. We're wrapping up today's Y'all Show. We're wrapping up this week's Y'all Show with the general of all things Southern, John Rawl. Thank y'all for being a part of the fun. Again, our spotlight school today was the Mississippi Land Sharks, once the great Ole Miss Rebels. On Monday's Y'all Show, we're taking you to Columbia. It's all about the South Carolina Gamecocks to start off our whole new week of y'all have a wonderful weekend thank you for being a part of our show remember our website is y'all.com we'll see you back here on monday